Australian Muscle Car Magazine is one of the most respected voices in motoring media. There's been over 140 issues and thousands of stories published in the last 22 years, from the amazing muscle car machines of the past to the present and the stars that steered and built them. AMC has something for everyone. Delve into the heritage of homegrown high performance now at musclecarmag.com.au. G'day everybody, Aaron Noonan here. Welcome again to the V8 Sleuth podcast powered by Repco. My guest on this episode is none other than the two-time Supercars champion and recent GRM signing, Marcus Ambrose. We talk on this pod about, well, a bunch of stuff. We talk about his new role at GRM. In fact, we caught up at GRM. We talk about how it came to be and how it came to be that he ended up on a Supercars TV broadcast desk alongside Mark Scape and Neil Crompton. We talk about racing Formula Ford in Australia and also in England, how his first drive of a V8 supercar came to be in a Commodore. Sorry, Ford fans, it wasn't a Holden. We talk about Bathurst 2000, not because he was in the race. It's about something that was going on in the garage at Stone Brothers that you need to know about. He tells plenty of stories from his glory years at Stone Brothers Racing, and he tackles a couple of our segments. What's in your cupboard, with thanks to our mates at the Motorsport Trader and the National Motor Racing Museum's Couch Racer Questions. You'll hear a bit of a V8 engine noise in the background towards the end of this chat as well. We're in the meeting room at Gary Rogers Motorsport upstairs, but there's so much work going on at GRM with all of their race car programs that you just expect a racing engine to fire up at some point. So it adds a bit of ambiance, I reckon, to this whole chat with Marcus. Uh, it was great to catch up with him. We caught up at GRM, as I mentioned. So here we go. Buckle up. Time to start. Marcus Ambrose on the V8 Sleuth podcast, powered by Repco. Marcus Ambrose, welcome to the V8 Sleuth podcast. We are sitting in the uh, uh, the meeting room of Gary Rogers Motorsport. I never thought I'd do a pod with you here. This is different. Well, I've actually worked out who the sleuth is. <laughs> <laughs> it's taken a while, but we got there eventually. We got there eventually. Mate, thanks for the time. Really appreciate it. There's so much to talk to uh, talk about. We'll try to jam as much of it as we can in, but I guess we should start in the now. Mm. So... We're sitting at GRM. We should talk about this. What's your job title? What, what are you here? Well, before I start about me, uh, this is my first ever podcast. So I retired before podcasting you, took hold. <laughs> so look at look at the last look five, six go. years. Look at what happens, eh? So yeah, you're my, my very first oh, official podcast. Privileged. I've done Rusty's Garage, but that was at home. Not not official setting. It was unofficially a, official. Unofficially official. Yeah, so this is yeah. the first official one we've got. Uh, my role here at GRM is actually a really exciting one. So I'll sort of pop my head back up into motorsport. I've got my two girls who like go-karting. They got me back to the track. All all and, then, and then Owen Kelly comes along. He says, hey, I've got this thing going where I want to do some Trans Am races in Tassie over Christmas, which was you know, uh, what we've just been through at the start of this year, the Simmons Plains and Baskerville doubleheader. He said, can you give me a hand? Turn some wrenches, just you know, all the old mates get back together again, and and uh, Adam Gowns and and Dwayne Priest, my friends from from Tassie, you know, came along, and yeah, that was great. And here we are, still going. <laughs> Eight months later, still going. So, <laughs> Owen got the bug. Uh, you know, he ran really well in the Trans Am. He likes the class. I like working on the car. It's a great class to work inside of. It's a it's a fun community inside the Trans Am garage area. The cars are, are fun to drive, they're fun to work on, the racing's, you know, high quality. So I was happy to help Owen go along and he happened to be working out of GRM. And so then Gary and Barry, you know, saw what I was up to and we had a few chats and just, 
you know, uh, one thing leads to another and, and here we are. But my official role is really competition director and that's a pretty vague term. We don't do titles here at GRM. Mm. Gary's pretty, pretty... But have you got a nickname? Pretty Because they do nicknames at GRM. Not, not that I know of yet, but I'm sure Give I've got time, one. Give it time, he'll be yeah. on it, don't I, worry. I know I've had one here in the past. When, when you I, didn't drive, when, when I didn't you drive here? for him. <laughs> um, and so my role here is really to support the drivers, to support the mechanics and the engineers and everyone that works, you know, in in the workshop basically is the bit of a, a conduit between the, the front office and, uh, and and the workshop to to get back into a winning winning ways. Mm. Um, GRM have changed a lot since they stepped out of V8 Supercar. They took on the S five thousand program and did an incredible job to turn what was an idea into reality. And so that's taken a lot of brain power, a lot of prototyping, a lot of machine specialized parts, a lot of you know, uh, unique to Australia stuff they've done to get those cars on the track. And then they've sort of embraced the TCR side of things inside ARG. And so they've really focused on, um, on supporting that category heavily. And they've got seven race cars in TCR this year. And then Owen and a couple of, and, and a couple of other guys have driven Trans Ams from time to time. So it's a full workshop. It's a, it's a full on program. There's no way to move and, down here. Like, yeah, there's stuff and, everywhere. And part of me coming in is actually to look at everything that's going on and saying, okay, you know, this is GRM today. This is, you know, they got here for various reasons, uh, but they want to, you know, refocus on being a race team and, and winning. And so my element inside this bigger JRM organization is to, is to reform the race team and, and get the pizzazz back and get some mojo and go out there and try and, you know, improve the competition side of the company. So this time last year, if someone had said, come and be the competition director of a major race team <laughs> yeah. and do some television con- um, analyst stuff on supercars, you probably would have thought they were crazy. Or is this falling you back into the motorsports yeah, sphere? Because at- I, I feel like you, you came back, yep. the DJR thing ended, yep. and you've gone off and done all the other things. You, you, you're a man of your own um, trail. You've always been that way. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things that I think is amazingly great about you in a sport where conforming is kind of the norm. And now it's like the lure of the old love of motorsport <laughs> comes back. So where did this come from? Has it just naturally evolved? Could mm. you feel it as a dedicated decision in your brain to go, I'm coming back to do some stuff here? Well, I never fell out of love with motorsport. Like I love racing. I'm a historian to some degree of racing. I like you, know, you should come and work at our place. Following got the old history. stuff. Yep. And and I love dirt speedway. I love the USAC stuff over in the states. I love Outlaws. I love the NAS. You know, I'm a fan of racing. And races, and so I was really happy to step in, you know, at GRM because Gary Rogers, you know, like him or not, he's a racer, and he has put a race team on the track for decades, mm. and he's given young guys a shot, and he's given them plenty of chances to turn into professional drivers. You know, Barguana and mm. Tanner, the list goes on. Scotty mm. McLaughlin, you know, the list goes on. So he's he's put his money where his mouth is and he's delivered results over the years and he's a real racer's racer. So I've got a lot of time respect for everybody at JRM because it starts from the top, Gary down, and now Barry's involved and Barry's a great guy, loves his sport, you know, fantastic deal. So am I? was I dragged kicking and screaming? No. <laughs> um, I'm just happy to be here now in this place and, and helping where I can. Mm. So it was time for me to get out of the race car. So, you know, that's what happened back in the DJR Penske deal and so it was just time to stop I knew it refocus on family refocus on myself you know get all that sorted out done that everything's great family's great life's good uh, and so now you know with the COVID thing happening and just sort of naturally sort of getting re-engaged in motorsport through Owen and my kids and so forth you know I've, 
I, I'm energised, energised mm. by the community. It's a great space. They're all can-do people in motorsport, and that's really good to be around those kind of people. And, you know, we're going to the track, we're travelling, even though it's a bit hard this mm. year with COVID, but, you know, you're moving around the country, and, and uh, so I'm re-energised to be part of the motorsport you know, family again, if you like, and uh, and I'm really happy to play my role now, which is actually using my skills and experience and knowledge, whatever it is, whatever it's worth, over time to to help the next wave. And so I'm helping I'm helping Barry and Gary where I can, and I'm going to help the drivers and the mechanics where I can. Um, but you know, and if I've got a role to play that I can contribute, uh, that's fantastic, and I'm happy to pass that knowledge along. Can you see a pathway down the track? Probably haven't even had time to stop and think about it because there's so much going on in this place, but. Team ownership, having a slice of the pie, a bit of equity, or doing something a bit beyond that as a case of there's so much to do right now. Let's just work on this now. We'll no, worry about I haven't. The track. No, none of that's crossed my mind. That's mm. not where I'm at. Um, I'm actually sort of overwhelmed with the amount of work to be done here. Mm-hmm. So I'm sort of I've bitten off a fair bit already, <laughs> and I know it. And so I'm really happy to say, okay, I'm going to stay in my lane on this one. Um, you know, we've got an incredible opportunity here at JRM to make things better. Uh, to go out there and win races, have a good time, help junior drivers get through, help professional drivers stay in the business, help sponsors get value. So there's lots of great things to be done right here, right now, and that's really what I've that's what I'm only focused on. There's a few people who probably thought hell had frozen over when they turned on their broadcast at Simmons Plains of Supercars to find M Ambrose and M Scaife sitting on a panel <laughs> smiling next to one another. Uh, I kind of a lot of people were Marcus on TV, this is weird. This is what, huh? But I totally got – and then people were surprised that you did a great job. Mm. There's no surprise here. Mm. You've been there and done it. You've been in the most media-focused part of the world in North America in the most public profile series in the world for 10 years. So it's not like you don't know how to talk in front of a camera or, or do stuff. But bringing the guy who's not been in the paddock for some time now mm. – Fresh eyes. Did you enjoy it? Mm. Did you enjoy it more than you thought? Did you have to be kind of convinced to do it? How did that all come together? Well, again, it, it was just a circumstance kind of thing. I lived in Tasmania. There was a, a spot <laughs> at some planes that, that needed to be filled. Nathan Prendergast gives me a call. Hey, you know, would you mind filling in? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm kicking around. That's no problem. We can go do that. I had very low expectations going in um, of like what it was going to be. I underestimated actually the intensity of a live broadcast, so that's mm. the first thing. I've been exposed to media. I've been exposed to the TV camera, but not from that side. Mm. I've always been interviewed, not an interviewee. Mm. And so, uh, you know, I really enjoyed the weekend of that. It was actually, you know, invigorating again. It was pretty dynamic and you're thinking mm. on the fly and, you you know, if you say the wrong thing, you're going to be in trouble. So you've got a little <laughs> bit of pressure on your shoulders. And, and I don't you know, I've been out of the motorsport game for a while as far as being at the track and so forth, but I'm still engaged. Mm. You know You're mean? still watching. You still know who you are. Of I mean, you yeah. know, everyone does. I'm, I'm sure um, Pat Rafter watches games mm. of tennis, mm. you know, from mm. time to time. It's just how it is. And yeah. so, yeah, I'm engaged to it. And so I just tried to, on that weekend at Simmons Plains, I just tried to uh, talk about what I did know and stay away from what I didn't know. <laughs> and what I do know is how a driver thinks and, and the pressures of the weekend and expectations and, and over the course of the weekend how things go. And from a driver's perspective, I can talk about that. And I've got the unique angle too of being outside the sport for a long time. I've been watching it. Mm. I've been seeing it. Mm. I see what the fans see. And so I was able to bring some of that element to it as well in balance. You know, you, you can't 
be a raving fan behind the microphone, <laughs> can you? But there is a balance there to be struck. And so I've actually, it's pretty cool because I get to see it from all sides now. Yeah. yeah I'm seeing yeah. it from the TV perspective and inside the sport. I'm seeing it as a competitor and I'm seeing it as a fan. It's really cool. It's something that uh, we look forward to seeing you do some. Bathurst? Yes, yeah, so at Bathurst? this stage, Bathurst and Gold Coast. Gold Coast. Yep. Final round of the championship, mm. place that you went all right in the past as well, <laughs> disqually. Uh, I want to rewind. That's what we kind of do in our little world of V8 Sleuth here. We kind of we go back over the stuff that people probably couldn't talk about back in the day, but they can now because enough time's passed that they won't get sued. No, not get sued, but you know what I mean. Um, as a young bloke, uh, 1997 was the first year I turned up at a motor race for Motorsport News magazine. It's not around anymore. Um the first round of the national championship for Formula Ford is at Calder. You might remember under lights, mm-hmm. the first V8 supercar branded mm-hmm. round. I think Wayne Gardner won in the Coke car. Uh, the first bloke I met that weekend as the cub reporter at age 16 was Garth Tander. Wow. The second bloke was sitting alongside from the table here now. And I think the third bloke was Todd Kelly from my memory. He was part of the crew that year in, in Formula Ford. Tough, tough crowd. Tough crowd. They all went on to do some stuff in, in the years that followed. Um, but I haven't heard many people ask you about 1997, mm. kind of that year of you'd been in Formula Ford in 96 in mm. a Swift, I think, from memory. Yep. Then you're in the VD and it had the Valvoline yes, sponsorship. So there's Gary the Gary Rogers, Rogers connection from back That's in the right. day, which a lot of people forget. That's right. Tell me about that year. I, mean, I know Tanda won the championship, but it was a tightly run thing all year. Yeah, look, I'm a Tasmanian born and bred guy, so my first year of car racing – you know, it was 96 and I moved myself to Melbourne. We did the, the Swift Formula Ford. We started it was with a shocking purple thing, wasn't it? No, no, it was blue. It was an ugly blue. Oh, okay. Oh, geez, it was very <laughs> ugly blue. But uh, Ray Cutchie got us started in that and then we, we went off and sort of did our own thing with, um, with Neil McCauley just around the corner here at Moorabbin. Mm. And so we had our year there and it's really sort of a year of not really any expectations at all and probably overachieved. I still, f- I look back now and I was very green, probably shouldn't have. <laughs> gone straight to national series. I yeah, probably should have state series and state series yeah. and and so forth. And so then you know all of a sudden the the gun ride was the the Van Diemen factory drive. And if you which, got the Valvoline money, had Valvoline and, and Bob Jane teammates attached to it. It was a pretty cool deal. And so Harry Galloway from Sydney was was running that with David Bernard the year before. Yep. So and David's a real hot shoe, like just such a talent. Um, and especially in those junior categories, he was so fast. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, big shoes to fill. So I went up there and uh, moved to Sydney for 97. Our first race was at Calder Park, um, just on Calder Park. My very first ever road, race car experience was at Calder Park with the, the Swift Formula Ford in drizzly rain. Uh-oh. And uh, that track's long, isn't big it? Big straight. You know, big, long straight. And you go over the hump and down the hill away from the pits. And I spun out the first corner, second corner, third corner. On the one lap? On the outlap. Oh, I thought you were going to say on successive laps. <laughs> no, no, on the outlap. So I spun three times, three corners, got up over the hump, and no one saw a thing. <laughs> <laughs> but they wondered why it took four minutes yeah, to come around. Yeah, they did. Maybe I was, whatever. But uh, so Calder Park, you know, what a throwback track that is. I just, um, you know, I, I really enjoy my races there. Very narrow track, really. Yeah. Uh, modern standards, but always put on a pretty, pretty mm. exciting show. And, uh, you know, f- fun times there for sure. But that, that first year, um, you know, was tough. In Formula Ford, the second year was tougher. Garth Tanner was, you know, he, he beat me, that's for sure. And uh, and But it was neck and neck really all mm. the way to the wire. In that era where Formula Ford, the crop each year, was so, it was the mm. place where you looked to. That and Formula Holden were kind of the stepping stones. But the, the class of Formula Ford of each year, probably up till about the early 2000s when it it was around for some time, but it probably wasn't having guys getting the same impact coming through because there were more choices. You go development series or career a cup, or there were other places to go. But 
that class that year was was pretty well, impressive. Well, let's, let's go back to 97. I mean, that was the first year of V8 Supercars yeah. and Cochrane officially. Yeah. I remember going to Sandown for the 500 and this guy called Tony Cochrane had- In 96. A, yeah. 96, yeah. built yeah. a tent. He yeah. said, oh, we're going to no create No sacred sites, I believe the yeah. term was. <laughs> That's right. We're going to create this thing. It's going to be called V8 Supercars. It's going to be bigger than Ben-Hur and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And I'm like, who is this bozo? I don't think you're the only one thinking that, but okay. look and what And look what happened, yeah. mate. Amazing yeah. story. Yeah. Amazing story and, and it went. And really that- that first year, 97, yeah, cracker. And then it went all the way through really to the mid-2000s, mm. I think. It just, w- what a wave mm. motorsport was on at that period of time. So there was a lot of fanfare, a lot of excitement. Sell-out crowds. I mean, I just remember racing at Iron Park and it was just bumper to bumper. Mm. I mean, it was just a huge crowd there on the day. Wanneroo was the same. Just what what a fantastic time to grow up and be part of motor racing that that era was really a golden era yeah and it, it's, it feels like yesterday but it's long mm. enough ago that you go actually wow that's actually not exactly yesterday it's past a, a little bit of time since then but 97 is an interesting one because and you said Sandown. i thought you're gonna you you talked about the 500 but at the touring car round mm. not many people remember you were you practiced the l-care car on the friday because Stephen johnson was delayed to come he was driving that car as a privateer but you'd had a bit of a drive of that at Tassie, I think, maybe the year before with Greg Crick, who was sort of tied up in a lot. That's your first. And the reason why I prefaced that is you were kind enough to give some time recently mm. to talk about that. We're doing our mm. Perkins Engineering mm. Car History Book, 50-odd mm. cars that Larry's mm. team built mm. over the years. That was mm. one of them. It was a customer mm. car. And it gave you your first V8 supercar yeah, look, test and little potentially yeah, drive. Yep, that's Did right. You, were you going to do the Enduros and then you went to Formula Ford festivals and stuff like that? That was on the table maybe Yeah, look, potentially? <laughs> It puts hairs on the back of my neck up because yeah. it's just such a great memory, isn't it? Like Greg Crick, you know, Ripper. He's still involved with GRM today, so uh, there's your full circle yeah, yeah, coming yeah, back. Yeah, wherever you go, you can't get well, away. That's from what him. the motorsport community is all about, right? Yeah. And so, he managed for Geelong, though. That's the only problem. No, about there you go. Yeah. It's terrible. And and so there was a test they were doing at Simmons Plains. This was back in March-ish, I guess. It was sort of tail end of the summer in Tasmania. They had the car down there, and and Greg, you know, invited me or made it happen that I could come up there and do a few laps, did about 10, 15 laps or whatever. And it was one of the last V8 supercars with no power steering. Oh. So I'm trying to turn this thing at the hairpin at Simmons Plains and what is going on here? Like how how incredible is Dick Johnson to be able to you know, drive these cars? Well, I didn't, well, you know, as a bit of a noob, you know, I didn't realise that it was the only car in the field with no power steering. Uh, and so that sort of started things off with John and, um, you know, we were talking about you know, doing some endurance races, but again, you know, so green, I probably wasn't ready. Uh, we were on that Formula Ford path and it sort of clashed with the festival. We decided to go over and, and have a shot at the Formula Ford Festival and some other races there and that's kind of where it led to. Never got a chance to come back because after that I went over to Europe in 98, 99, 2000. So sort of I had to wait a bit longer to get mm. back to, to V8s. You got there eventually, just eventually took a little bit did, longer to yeah. come back. It reminds me too of a little story that we started telling it when we were off air before we started this, but... You went to England in 98 to race the British Formula Ford Championship, which at the time was a stonking championship. Teammate was Danny Weldon, by the way. Yeah, Dan Weldon, the late, great Dan mm. Weldon, Indy 500 winner twice mm. over. Mm. Um, it was Daniel Weldon back then. It was. They didn't was call him Daniel. Dan until he kind of got – in America, they just shorten your name, yeah. really, don't they? they <laughs> you know, Alessandro Zanardi, Alex Zanardi. Yeah. One Pablo Montoya, one Montoya. Yeah. They just yeah. don't like to let it go too long. And the champion that year was Jensen Button. So he worked out all right too. He worked out all right too. So <laughs> I've always been up against some pretty stiff competition yeah. all the way through. Yeah, absolutely. But do you recall in 1998, this is before we had Twitter and social mm. media and email that flew around the world quickly and mobile phones, your website. Mm. 
Oh, I remember this well. Is this a self-plug? No, no, it's not a self-plug. It's just an interesting story that the Sleuth and Ambrose connection that yeah. people don't really know about. But it's more about how technology's changed. So you went to England. Mm-hmm. I can't remember how it happened. I think I, I think you asked me. I asked I did. you, whatever. I think I, I think I found you and asked you. you yeah, said, oh, right. I need to do a website. Yeah. And at the time, 1998, a website. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty high tech. I. I could write. My mate Tim Bigarelli, I'll give him a plug now from school in Ballarat. He was the he's the IT guy, still mm. is, established a great career in that line of work. He said, Yeah, we can do this. We'll make it. But it's not like today where you could just fire up a tweet, send a thing. So how I don't know if you could remember this, but the facts would come out. Yeah, I remember. From the yeah. UK, from whoever was writing it. I for was your writing end. the I was Were writing the race report. <laughs> I did really Ambrose did well this today, Brands Hatch It had come out. We didn't mm. have a fax machine at home, mm. so I gave you my mum's office number. There you go. She would pick it up on a Monday, bring it there home, I'd type there it, give go. it to my mate. It would get on the website Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> we did that for a whole year. We did yeah, that for a whole but year, you know so. what? That's actually what got me you know, my opportunities when I came back to Australia. So part of the push for that was not that I was breaking new ground, but you know, I, I, I had ties to Australia. I was trying to become a professional driver. I just knew that I needed to sort of stand out. Mm. Uh, Carl Edwards, NASCAR champion in the states, he used to put advertisements in the in the in the race papers saying, you know, I'm here, hire me. <laughs> Some guys think differently, right? And so all anyway, I was trying to do was was stay connected and stay known in the Australian motor racing community because I knew that the chances of making a career of it in Europe were slim, mm. but it was like my university. So I was going to Europe to learn the craft to learn how to race, to race against the best, to see how it went, see where it went, see what happened, but at the same time, create a bit of a fallback strategy. And my fallback was, hey, this Tony Cochran guy, like 97, that was a, mm. I mean, what, that V8 supercar thing, that's pretty cool. Those cars are pretty cool. And I, I kind of remembered some of those guys got paid. Mm. And so I, like I was money all, too. Yeah, well, you've got to make, I mean, <laughs> at the end some. of the day, yeah. you know, you can't race for free at the professional level because you've got to put food in the table. So. Yeah. My goal was to become a professional driver and really my tick in the box was that do I get paid, you know, because that's when mm. you actually become a professional. Yeah. And so I always had that in the back of my mind to say, you know, don't forget about Australia, stay connected down there where you can. That's where the whole idea of doing the race report, having a website, getting it out to the team owners, mm. I kind of knew that that's where it was going. And I'm 44 now, so my first experience – with the internet was to catch a bus from Launceston College <laughs> in grade 11 and drive to the Maritime College to go into a giant room with a giant computer and one screen and look at the internet. <laughs> you have to book 10-minute slots. And and it doesn't take you long to work out what a bunch of young Launceston schoolboys want to look at on the internet. Race but we cars, pretty, Marcus, race well, cars. We pretty much stuff. got to where the internet's got to in the first three minutes. Uh, <laughs> And so, yeah, you know, Tasmanian guy, you know, not really tech savvy, but I just knew that I needed to stay connected. And mm. so, yeah, we were literally using fax machines. Mm, mm. But back when my dad was racing, he went to Europe and raced. Uh, telegrams. And he, and he was ordering parts and engines via telegram. <laughs> There's young listeners going, what is this crap these blokes are What is a telegram? Telegrams and what is this crap these blokes are all about? But, you know, a racer, they use their resources today. Find a way. Today they find a way. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's engineers and it's it's CAD software and mm. it's it's fluid dynamics and all these things that go on. You know, you just use the tools you got at the time. Who, who would have known the world 
has gone to where it's gone. Oh, no one could have predicted that. No, no way. You know the moment when I knew you were fully ingrained at Stone Brothers Racing was before you'd even raced for them. Mm. Do you remember Bathurst 2000? I do. You were there in the pits. I You'd was. been signed and announced. Mm. Craig Baird was dri- the full-time mm. driver in the Pertec mm. car. Simon Wills mm. was the co-driver. Mm. Do you remember Simon Wills having I a mishap do. when he got – I remember walking – not many people know this. It wasn't no. on telly or anything like that. No. I'm covering a bunch of teams for the Great Race book and Stones is one of my teams. I'm walking past the back of the, the old pits at Bathurst, which have been knocked down and replaced mm. now. I'm pretty sure he – did he spew up in the car or spew up when he got out of the car and you were there to – you helped clean him up. And I yep. went, whoa, you are really ingraining yourself <laughs> deeply with this team. Well, everyone ran for the doors. I mean, <laughs> yeah. there was just no one left. The poor guy was just, you Poor Wills, he's literally frothing at the mouth and it's in his visor and it's coming down his chin and it's just a mess. And everyone's just, I remember Ross Stowe just looked and ran the other way. I'm like, oh, this poor guy. But actually, I think what had happened was that, you know, he back then there was no cool suits no, and, um, no. You know, you had the windows wound up a lot of the time and, you know, he probably had a bit of carbon monoxide because that, that back then they were running the heavy juiced fuel and, you know. Yeah. And so Simon, he wasn't whether I don't know if he was ill before he got to the pits or if it was a scheduled <laughs> stop like that, but regardless, he jumped out. He took one look and he had these big eyeballs Ooh. and all of a sudden out she ripped. But, I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to help You're going to help a driver. I felt a lot of, I, mean, I felt sorry for him that he was in that position. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, I think only you and stuff. I know that story. I don't think anyone <laughs> well, else wanted to be there. The, the good thing was when you came full-time the following year, they built you a new car. You didn't have to get the spewy car because that's the one they flogged off to Gibson for lounge, <laughs> so you didn't have to worry yeah. um, about that one. That was a really tricky weekend because Craig Baird was the Pertec driver mm. and I was already there to take that spot. And so I actually felt very awkward there that weekend. It's a weird situation. Because, it's not yeah, common, it, it? It, and so I wanted to be there, but I didn't want to be in the way. I wanted to learn how the team worked and who everybody was and – and I didn't want to be respectful to Craig because, you know, he'd, he'd had mm. his year, but he wasn't going to be there the next year. And Craig's such a professional. Like, I got a lot of time for Craig Baird because he just carried himself so well during that moment. And he always has done um, mm. to me personally. And, um, yeah, so that was a bit of a tricky time. And then, you know, you throw the Simon Wills <laughs> moment in there. It didn't make it any easier. A few carrot chunks flew at you from uh, <laughs> his lunch returning. Um, there's so much to cover. I'm going to race through as many things Go. we can quite a squeeze. Bathurst 2001. Pole position oh. on debut. And you did something that no one's going to actually beat. Because what, remember, it was a top s- 15. Stick it in the gravel trap before no, 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 the no, first I'm, not, I'm talking stop. Saturday. I'm talking Saturday, <laughs> not Sunday. We'll get to that. But in those days, it was top 15 shootout. Someone had the grand thought that, well, shootouts are great. Let's go from 10 to 15. Shouldn't have done that silly thing. But you qualified 11th. Oh, there you, you go. You cannot be topped unless we go back to top 15 shootouts at Bathurst for deepest position to qualify and pole. You're sweet. But you're the second rookie and no one's done it since as a rookie. To and I haven't got a pole since myself. So I've only yeah. had one pole there. Was the place that just eluded you? Yeah, no had, podiums? Like, surely been, you should have got I've a only, podium. I've only had like. six races there. Five with Stones and one with, yeah, with DJs. With DJs. And so I haven't had many races there. I think that's... If you look back at everybody who oh, does, you know, done 15 yeah, it's or a percentage. Or... It's a percentage game. Yeah, we've had plenty of chances to win, and I screwed pretty much all of them up. Which was the one that got away? Which was the best one? Oh, they all got away. Mm. Uh, they all got away. The very first one, we were fast. We AU, we went the fastest car. We probably wouldn't have won it, but I just had no, I had no turn off switch. I was just full on, literally so I, into the pit lane. Literally full on into the pit lane <laughs> into and, the sand. and blew it into the sand, and we. 
it's just unfortunate. Like, you know, that, that sand trap's no longer there and, you know, we couldn't get it snatched out in time. Mm. We lost a lap and the whole thing was a bit of a disaster. Felt really bad. I've got to be honest with you. Like, that was one of my lows of my career to do that because we had such an amazing first day. But Ross and Jimmy Stone, what, what amazing people they are, they've never said anything about that. Mm. They've never come down on me hard or whatever. I think I'm they sure know, they re- you're, the, you're the hardest guy on yourself than anyone else. I'm sure be. they remember all of it, you know, like it was yesterday, just like I do. 20 years ago this yeah, year. Yeah, and, all, mm. you know, you get swings and roundabouts, good and bad. That's what motorsport is. And so they're so balanced and have been so gracious with that, that kind of thing that mm. they've never, you know, they didn't come and say, hey, uh, you, you're a fool for mm. what you did, mm. which it was foolish. But I just had no off switch. I, just, I was just full on all the time. And that's what you do in your rookie year. You do... Dumb stuff like that. Uh, we had two years of tyre failures. Just oh, two. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Two years of it, though. I think mm. we, we blew tyres two years in a row I th- there. I think literally with Paul Will co-driving with you, it blew yeah. the guards off it. It, did. it was that serious. <laughs> like, literally. We were blowing tyres all day. And I, and that's, again, lack of experience. From from my perspective, uh, we should have identified that as being an issue going into the race. Um, you know, we had tyre issues at Phillip Island as well. There's high speed. Mm. We ran a lot of camber. I loved the speed of the car. I was able to push the car and actually stay loaded to, to get the benefit out of the big camber that we were running. Just too hard down the straightaways as the car comes up and floats down the straightaway. The the inside edge of the tyre just gets hammered and we blew tyres out. We we did it the first year. We didn't learn our, from our mistakes and we did it again. Uh, and then we had the, the Greg Murphy deal and the Balaclava gate. What, what, what deal is that? I, I don't remember that one at all. <laughs> you know, and there's Luffy, I, I heard Luffy telling the story about it the other day. Oh, I did know? hear that on Rusty's yeah, pod. Yeah. And, um, you know, oh, just such a, what an amazing time. Like, you know. <laughs> it doesn't happen like that anymore. No, it doesn't. And those storylines seem to have gone because everything's just so cookie cutter yeah. and, and, and so over engineered and so mm. over thought through that we just don't have that, those vagaries that, creep in but every race in australia you didn't need to wear a balaclava this is what people don't necessarily realize like the bathurst 1000 was the only international race in that championship and so you know different rules the game was on Someone's read the Did rule you ever book. Find out who dubbed you in. We hadn't. We hadn't read the rule book. I don't want to know if you know. I don't. Oh, need I've to got know. an idea, but I'm not going to say no, who it is. It doesn't, need to it be doesn't said. matter now. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, matter. And actually, you know, if you have your time again, um, yeah, the boo boos on on us, mm. not the other way around. Mm. I mean, that's just the way it is. Now, mm. you could argue that it's a silly rule that you can race the same car all year, not wear a balaclava, and the one race of the year you have to. Yeah. That being said, it is what it is. But uh, so we messed it up there. Uh, and then the DJR uh, Penske deal, Scott Pyle doing such a great job there. He was really flying at home in the race, and we had a, a failure, and he he, yeah. he hurt himself, Ooh, uh, um, yeah. had a hard hit. And um, I didn't realise at the time. I just thought, you know, he was just pushing so hard that he made an error, but it was full mechanical problem. So mm. there's another one gone. Mm. There's only one That's left it. that I can't remember. Uh, oh, 04. I think you finished fifth or sixth or something mm. like that with Greg Ritter. So there you go. Um, yeah, it's kind of it's the law of averages. The more mm. you go, the more chances you got to to have a dip at it. But nevertheless, I don't think it changes your. It'd be nice to have one on your your list of achievements. It would. And look, if I look back at my career and everything, yeah, like yeah, you know, one it's of those the, to the layman at the pub in Australia. That's yeah, the one you've got to win. The one thousand. Just yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. I'll have a free beer, thanks. Yeah, yeah I'll have a beer, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Luffy talked about that O five. Uh, that he was crook, really mm. crook in the lead. Yeah, up. and he actually who, who was going to. Was there any clue on who might replace him? Who you could uh, get? Because at the last minute of the week of Bathurst, your co-driver that you've yeah. signed up for the year, who's racing and yep. in tune with the team, goes mm. down potentially mm. quite ill, and it sounded mm. like he was in a bad way. But look, I, I knew he he wasn't well, 
I had no idea how ill he it's was. It's probably better that you didn't know. True. And it also shows you how self-absorbed you get mm. as a driver that True. you're really, you know, you're so focused on yourself, you're not even thinking about your teammate. And I I didn't know how ill he was. So that's an incredible story, really, mm. and how he's able to bounce back and did an amazing job, by the way. Uh, one of the fastest teammates you'll ever get, Warren Luff, just a real, really great guy. Uh, fantastic driver, you know, great number two for any team down pit lane. That's why, you know, he's still doing those he's still things. still going. Yeah. The best frosted tips in Supercoach <laughs> pit lane. Oh, yeah. But he's got six Bathurst podiums. Oh, well, there you go. Well, he hasn't got a win yet, but he's got lots yeah. of twos and threes, mm. and not many people can mm. say that they've, they've got that many. Now, everyone does do the Ambrose Murphy 05. Yeah, whatever. Everyone else does that. Everyone forgets the greatest press conference in the history of the V8 Supercar <laughs> Championship Indy? from the Gold Coast 2004, <laughs> where Greg, before he became a television reporter, <laughs> became one with you alongside. And, and that was in the year up, and I can preface this, in 04. So you've won one championship. Mm. You're trying to win number two. You're public enemy number one of every Holden mm. team because you are the head of the Ford monster mm. and everyone's trying to whack you. Mm. Steve Richards is trying to beat you. Jason Bright, Mark Scaife, mm. Murph. Tanda, they're all lining up. Everyone's taking a swing because mm. you're the guy. Mm. You've got car one. Mm. That's the go. And Greg got under your skin. Yeah, he did. He got you. He got <laughs> you. And he kept going. Yeah. He did. And going. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's on YouTube. I'm not yeah. sure, but I'm sure you can find it somewhere online. He just everyone's forgotten that one. Everyone mm. talks about Bathurst, but <laughs> I reckon the Gold Coast was bigger and better. Yeah, look, the first thing is back to the Mark Scaife and, and down at Simmons Plains and we're sitting next to each other and, you know, how does the fan that remembers what it was like back between 01 and, and 05, oh, 06. Yeah, a couple of run-ins, a couple of rounds. Yeah, and, and, yep. and who remembers those times and how can those two guys sit next to each other and laugh and, and have a good time? There's a lot of respect between all of us. I'm talking Greg Murphy, the Kelly boys, um, myself, Jason Bright. I mean, you, you name it, that era. Mm. Um, I think we all respect each other. We've all come from different places to get to that spot. We're all there on merit. Uh, you know, we're all taking it super serious. Uh, we didn't like each other at the time, and there was a lot of rivalry going on between Ford and Holden. A lot of money on the line. A lot of money on the mm. line. There was, you know... There, yeah, you know, you were dealing like I was make, taking phone calls to you know the the president of Ford Motor Company during that time. I mean, <laughs> you know, like, hey, I watched your race on Sunday, and yeah, I'm so pleased you gave it to that you know pinhead, blah blah blah, <laughs> whatever. You know, so like, yes, we were we were literally playing for sheep stations. I mm. mean, it was big mm. time back then. It was fantastic to be part of that and experience that. And there was no love lost between you know myself and and Greg. Uh, I don't think – I think you're right. I think the tipping for me was was probably that, that Gold Coast Indy weekend. So to paint it was the, less, paint the It was less too. Indy. I'll, I'll, mm. I'll back it up. Yeah, you can do it. You can do it. You so the first thing is that, you know, Greg's a real fighter. He's a fantastic driver. He's running, you know, leading this, this Kmart team and a, a real contender. Like HRT were right there, but right next to them were the Kmart team, no doubt about it, and, and, and Kelly as well, really getting it done, Okay. Uh, and very formidable force. And so I was spearheading the Ford side, I guess, and, um, and Stone Brothers and the Indy track. It's such a intimidating tight place. And we'd been running toe for toe with Greg and we'd had the, the Bathurst stuff go on. And, and so there was, you know, a lot of intensity to it, I guess. So was now, it, this where it started or you two had something going before this or was it the Gold Coast thing that ramped it? Because no, the, the, the Bathurst crash was the next year. Oh, yeah, that's right. So but, yeah, but the, is this where no, it, it sort was, of started? It, no, it was building. It was mm. building the whole time. Uh, and I and Rick 
Rick had a problem in the race. Well, he, he spun Russell at the first chicane. Right. And then was it a penalty that got him back no, there? No, he had a flat tyre. He okay. come in and get a tyre Well, he change. came out and he had a lot of speed and and I was I was on the lead lap and I was- You were the leader. Leader. And, and he was and floating he was around. He floating around and he sort of backed up to make it really hard for me. He wouldn't let me pass. Loud, you know, Greg to catch it. It was a big, big doozy, wasn't it, you know? And so that's really where, uh, you know- it was a really high pressure situation. And I could have been the car, and I was really frustrated, and I didn't handle myself that well. And and so across the line, did you jam the brakes? Oh well, you know, bit of both, bit of, both, bit, of bit of all of that going on, and yeah, that's what it was. It was it was what the bit was. we're missing from now. That's what it was. Yeah. And so yes, there was already you know, I mean, I was not liked. <laughs> well, when you win uh, lots on, on on the Holden side for yeah. sure, and there was a lot of competition there, and that's. That's how it goes. But that press conference was, uh, you know, quite the thing. And I probably, you know, I was pretty young and um, and not naive, but I didn't really see where it was. You were like a deer in headlights that day. Where it was, it was totally from. Yeah, I was, I was unready for it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I I'd probably said a few pinhead things and did a few pinhead things. And, yeah, and I got ambushed pretty good. And mm. he got one over on me, no doubt. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That was actually the next day after the Kelly thing mm. because the Kelly thing it was in the oh, day where the races right? weren't yeah, live. Yeah, see, I've got it all wrong then. No, 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 I, yeah, I've no, got no it you're, all right, straight you're right. After. No, no, no. The press conference was the following day. Right. There was a blow up because I must preface this and it's wrong if I don't add this in. I was the Kmart PR guy. Right. So I was in the garage post race <laughs> and you and Rick have yeah, words. Right. Murph gets injected. Right. Eric Pender's there. Rob Crawford, right. the Kmart right. guys. I'm pulling Rick away because. Yeah. Let's just diffuse this, mm. cool it off. Murray Lomax rings, who's from Channel 10 at the time, later was the head yep. of supercars, who gave me my telly chance yeah, yeah. a couple of years later to call supports. We've got to talk to him. You can't ta- you can't not let him talk to us. I'm like, he'll talk to you, but we've just got to just – this is getting a bit too far. Let's just take a little heat out of it for a second. And, of course, I think there was a stewards hearing after that and there was all sorts of stuff mm. alleged. The heat of sport, the heat of battle, mm. two sides going for it. But the – the blow up the next day was the press conference afterwards, mm, mm. and it was in the days where mm. um, it was the Saturday race, all the aftermath. You know, you go off air now on Fox; they analyse mm. it for an mm. hour or so. Mm. That wasn't around in mm. those days, so. Mm. Um, but yeah, look, that it, was it, that was the height of super. You talked about the nineties and the noughties. Yeah, I, that's I, when it was at its peak. I, of, I, th- I think it was at its peak, and um, yeah, there was a lot of passion there, and it was a different time, different different mm. way of going racing, and that the Channel Ten covered it differently. Uh, you know, and there was a lot of uh, focus on on uh, on characters of the sport mm. and 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 speaking your mind and you know, uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's what it was back then, and uh, you don't take any of it back. Mm. I mean, I've, no, no. you know, I think it's celebrated now. Yeah, it's not a case yeah. of oh, well, it was still no good. Uh, I think it it stands up to the mm. test of time a lot. Yeah, of like you know, I think when was it with the uh, Ingle Scaife? Oh three. Oh three, yeah. So there's that going on. So mm. like that's all. This. That's all part of that that whole era. Yeah, yeah. No, no, definitely. It's mm. uh, it, it's a press conference that I think someone needs to be interjected <laughs> into future ones to try to create uh, something that would at least compete with that. At but some you point. know, that all being said, I mean, time's moved on. Yeah, that's right. right. And so you know, I, I'm 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 more than happy to you know strike up a conversation with Greg and forget. In a place where we have a meal, or whatever. There's actually no no real bad blood mm. left. It's it, it, it it's just what thing. it was. It's a bit like old VFL days yeah. or AFL yeah, yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's just yeah. um, that's just what uh, competition was mm. back then, and mm. that's how it was conducted. It yeah. was uh, it was it was a tough place to mm. to, to, to to be around. There was a lot on the line. Mm. Which of your two supercars championship so you're more proud of? 
Sort of like picking the best of your kids, isn't uh, it? Yeah, bit, not but- really. I mean, that just era was just fantastic. I've just got a lot of, uh, you know, thanks and gratitude to everyone that was involved in that at the time. I'm the, I'm the, the figurehead. I'm the guy who gets to hold the trophy, but it wasn't me that won that championship. It was everybody at Stone Brothers Racing, everybody at Pertec, everybody at Ford. So I, I think the first one was just amazing, you know, and just that moment at Eastern Creek, I tried to crash the car. I crashed the car heavily on the Friday. That's right, I remember and, that. Um, and did a whole lot of damage. The guys worked through the night to get it back on track, and we came back and stomped it again the next day. And so, yeah, I tried really hard to mess that weekend up, <laughs> uh, wreck, trying to wreck the car on a wet track. Um, at turn one at Eason Creek, but we got over that, got the championship done. So that that to me has got really fond memories. The second one felt more in control. Mm. You um, let it more further. In. Yeah, felt more in control. The second one, and then really, you know, the last year, oh five was really, you know, I I just didn't do a good job of of managing my season. We we were fast, but I'm really pleased that Russell was able to win it and keep it inside the team. Mm. So, you know, I look at those three years equally the same. Mm. Even though the last one didn't quite deliver a championship uh, because well, it did. you did it, all the other bits. It, it, it did, did to the it team. It did to the team. And just, so, like, you know, yeah. the fact that I wasn't the champion, mm. to me, that still makes – it mm. doesn't – yes, I wanted it for my team and my sponsors mm. and so forth, but I still feel very satisfied for that fight. I was only with Stones for five years. Mm. Okay, so it was only a five-year run. We're really super proud of all those five years. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out. And the thing that blows us away, we love the histories of the cars. Mm. How many cars did you race in five years? I think two. Two. Mm. One AU and one BA. (laughs) So anyone who loves going, I've got a Marcus Ambrose Perdue car and I've got a Marcus Ambrose and I've – well, someone's fibbing because there's not that many of them out there. It's it's a very unique little club. Um, Did Triple Eight ever try to get Marcus Ambrose? They did. They did early on. So, um, yeah, Roland came down. Better Electrical was was in it at the time and I think it must have been 03-ish. So would you have re-signed for your last two years at Stone? Oh, look, I was – Or did you go a year early on your – Deal. Were you due to go longer? Yeah, no, you left no. Go so I, yeah, look, that that was all, you know, that was a funny time, but I was really, I guess that the whole O three, O four, too big for your boots, getting picked on, you know, um, yeah, you know, tough time through the Bathurst thing and everything else. And I thought, geez, you know, I just, if I still think I'm an international driver, which I did, I, mm. I still viewed myself as somebody that could make it on an international level, a bit like Scott's trying to do now, um, that there was no better time or I couldn't delay it. Your stocks are up too and My stocks you know, you're up, winning stuff. It's time to make a move. And so, you know, we, we sort of – I decided that America was going to be it and I needed a break from V8 Supercar. I think that's pretty much what it was. It was like I can't do this for the next 15 years of my life. It's just it's, it's too hard, mm. <laughs> uh, right? And I just don't have the resilience to, to withstand it. So – you know, better off to get out than than mm. get dragged down. Mm. I, guess, I, I think that's what it is when I look back at my time. And so I tried to create some opportunities in the States and that, that happened and the NASCAR thing happened. Uh, but to do that, I had to, yes, I did have to back out of uh, of a Rothstone SBR deal and a Ford deal. Mm. So I was on a long-term Ford contract and a long-term Stone Brothers contract. And so both of them were gracious enough to allow me to go. And I remember I had the conversation with Ross. It was actually pre-season. 
I said, I want to go do this, Ross. And uh, I think Jimmy, I don't think Jimmy was in the room. If he was, he was pretty quiet as he would normally well, that's is. him. That's standard. Uh, and I basically said, look, I want to go do this. And there's, if it's going to be now, you know, it's going to, now or never for me, mm. if you like. And so he said, look, if you don't want to be here, then there's no point making you stay. And Done. we just worked our way out of it. And that's how good the Stone Brothers are. There wasn't how, pointing at a contract. Ra- or no, we just, worked just, our, okay, well. we just worked our way out of it, okay? Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're still good friends today and I really, you know, I've got so much time and respect for them and I think they do me too and the whole thing works out great mm-hmm. and same with, with the Ford Motor Company. And I was part of the Ford thing over in the States with um, John Zemanski and Dan Derenhoff who were running Ford Racing in the US at the time. And, um, and Edsel Ford was actually, you know, in the background a little bit. He'd met me at Bathurst and sort of knew who I was and what I was all about and knew he had this Aussie that wants to make it you know, in America. <laughs> and so that's how that, that, yeah. that went down. But that year, yeah, you know, yeah, it was, it was challenging to, to get out of those mm. deals. And I wore that through 05. Mm. And I think that's part of, you know, the lackluster mm. championship result. Triple eight. Had a sniff. What they, years oh, so that? they did. So back to that. So yes, they did. Um, they made some talks. They were very, very new, and they were down the mm. order. They mm. were sort of mid pack at best, mm. if you like. Max Wilson was driving for them at the time, and so I knew of Roland Dane from my time in the states. I knew of sorry, of my UK, time in the yeah, UK. Yeah. Formula I, Ford I, I following. I, knew, I, was, I was racing. And... I was racing Formula Ford, following the supercars. Triple Eight were over there winning. Mm. Uh, with their, with their drivers, and so I just I knew of them. I knew Roland. I knew he was a serious player, um, so I certainly met them and we talked about it. And we did exchange offers, um, but I declined, um, and we couldn't meet terms. And so then, you know, I really locked my way into to that Stone Brothers run. Mm. Worked out. It worked did. out. Um, was there a chance to somewhere along the line for an FPR wild card at Sydney Olympic Park Homebush? But the wild card thing wasn't. Yeah. I think there was no way to officially make it happen, or was that a oh, bit of Oh, there was. Well, there's been lots of that over the years, and I, I, I you probably had that many coming. Yeah, I, I really can't remember the exact <laughs> one, but um, you know, Charlie Swerkholt was trying to get me back for a while. Um, mm. You know, and I, I did seriously consider that early. So is this kind of in the era he's oh, at FPR, or yeah, it, it probably was. Um, mm. And then maybe yeah, it was. That's get right. Get you back in a gelled when flavored car, a blue felt. Yeah, that's exactly right. But it was sort of in that time where there was a lot of uncertainty in the states and the petty thing and mm. and so forth, and because so, petty were going through. A, bankruptcy with Gillettes and so mm. you know, I was driving for them didn't know, quite know where I was going to go so I was trying to sort of hedge my bets a little bit um, but you know I'm, I'm pleased with the path I took. Mm. No no history shows it worked um, mm. it worked out well. I actually can't help but think watching NASCAR this year mm. more road courses. <laughs> yeah a lot more road You're courses. You're in the wrong era mate. Yeah, sure? yeah, oh, you could have been banking more wins. And- yeah but that doesn't oh. matter I mean my, my oval Stuff was to go oval racing. It wasn't yeah. to go road racing. So, that was you know, I, I really loved my time over there and the and the oval oval stuff. It was cool. Yeah. Um, we could do a whole another chinwag about NASCAR and stuff, but obviously I don't want to blow us out. Maybe we can get together at another stage and mm. and do a bit more of that. But I'm also mindful too that Rusty sort of covered a bit of that ground. So I'd like to just do a couple of different things from from him over the journey. One of the things that we do a little bit differently is um, a couple of different things. Um, We've got a, a great partner of ours, the motorsporttrader.com.au. We call it What's in Your Cupboard. Mm. What have you kept from your motorsport history? Yeah. Are you a keeper? Are you a hoarder? Uh, I'm not, are you I'm not a keeper. I'm not a keeper. And the, the more, the older I get, um, the more I wish that I had kept some stuff. But I've always been about the next thing. Mm. Here I am, JRM, mm. doing mm. the next thing. 
so no, I, have, I really haven't kept a lot. Um, you know, there's a few helmets kicking around, a few suits that I didn't get rid of and so forth, but I don't hang anything on the walls per se in the house. I don't have too much stuff going on. Um, you know, my racing and my family life are kind of separate. separate. Yep. And so, yeah, I've been a race car driver. I've done it. I've been there. I've experienced it. It's in my head. I remember it. Mm. It doesn't need to be, you know, pinned to the wall or sitting in the garage. Yep. Fair enough. Uh, the motorsporttrade.com.au is the place to go. If you do want some parts or panels from some other teams. Just if, not my house. If you fit, yeah, if your man cave needs a bit of work, then the guys there will, will sort you out. I tell you, there's a bit of stuff here at GRM that oh, we're going to Mate, I, we're I'm gonna backing off. the wagon up before I leave. <laughs> there is stuff here everywhere yep. from 40-odd years of racing. Mm. There's... I mean, I'm just looking behind you. There's mount um, framed suits, Garth Tanner, mm. Scott McLaughlin, Gary Rogers, some lovely frame stuff mm. here. There's some nice trophies there. That, it's a surfboard. I reckon I could fit that in the back of the wagon to take that one back to the office. A um, couple of things I want to race through before we finish off. Um, I like to play a little game. We keep a track of the stats, Marcus. Uh-oh. We keep a track of all the numbers. How much do you think you were fined in your V8 supercar career? Oh, okay. Let me have a think here. And then I want you to figure out what you could have bought with that money. I know that I was forced to write some written apologies to people. That was actually part of some punishments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's not money, though. That doesn't no, count. that's not money. Back then, the fines weren't massive. Well, you've got um, a couple of good ones. There's a few good ones. Well, not as good in the States. I've got a few good ones in the States, too. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I'd say maybe 45000 Geez, you've gone overs. Twenty-eight two fifty. There you go. There you go. Mm. Inflation. Well, actually, if you, <laughs> if you do apply it that way, uh, let's see. Do you want to, do you want to see if these trigger any memories? Mm. First ever weekend in a supercar, Albert Park 01, two oh. and a half grand for spinning Stephen Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> um, five hundred bucks at Eastern First Creek. Of many, I'd think. Yeah. yeah. 500 bucks at Eastern Creek in 03 for standing on top of the pit wall after you took pole while the car was still on the track, which I think Tony Cochran said he would pay that for he, you uh, me, mate, yep, at the time. That's right. Uh, five grand. Well, this one wouldn't have gone to you. This would have been a team one from the 04 Queensland 300 wires, the loose wires that the car was excluded, but it kept the win and not the points. And there was a there was a 10 grand fine with five grand suspended. So we, we'll, we'll, we'll chisel I that don't off you. I even remember that. That's, was that the two tenths box that we had in the car? Sounds like it. Yeah, we had, that a, was the we had a little of, game we, we used to play. We used to put a little box in the car with a couple of wires hanging out of it, and it used, uh, used to be called the two-tenths box. Caught a bit of attention. <laughs> and I think the thanks for the great start, Ken, to Ken Douglas. There you got go. A few people got a few. As well. Um, 04 Sandown, 250 bucks. Late attendance to a driver's briefing. Come on, you should have known better by then. Mm. Uh, 04, 10 grand for the Rick Kelly post race. Careless driving and not exercising care after crossing the control at the end of the race. Well, no care indeed. 10 grand, Marcus. Yeah. That could have been handy right now. Uh, and 10 grand in 05 in Perth for contact with SCAFE, um, which was more for your post race comments. Than your uh, well, I've still, you had a good blow up that, that day on that, telly. That was uh, that was still a dud deal right there. I got two penalties for the same incident. You did get stiffed in that race. Yeah. So you got to drive through for the contact in turn then, one with you and Skate. Yeah, and then got and another, you drove all the way back through the field to like third or fourth. And then got another, and they whacked you again post race. Whacked me again post race was not quite right. Yeah, and so. the, the reason for that was that they couldn't they couldn't let happen somebody to gain a benefit from someone else's misfortune. Well, you didn't get a benefit because you got carted through the pit lane and That's had to right. charge anyway, for the next four hours. That is what it is. But anyway, there you go. Just a little yeah. game we like to yeah. play. We don't forget these things, right? I mean, they no, they, they get etched in the back of your brain. We file them away in a database somewhere, <laughs> mate. Um, it's, it's, 
it takes us longer to do the fines and the stats for you than it is the cars because you only drove two with stones. So it's it's a it's a longer job. Um, National Motor Racing Museum up at Mount Panorama is great friends of ours. They support our couch racer questions. So it's the couch racer questions for the devil racer. See what I did okay. there? Okay, no, nice. Uh, fans get to ask questions. Do your best. Um, Peter Alexander says if testing was a bit more open in supercars in the mid 2010s when you came back, do you reckon you would have? It would have changed anything for you to how it was in the back in the day with more. Testing. Oh yeah, that was definitely an element to it. So there was a lot of things that happened back then. Relocating my family and getting out of NASCAR and getting out of the states was just a huge undertaking, way bigger than I thought. I was very burnt out as well for my time in the states. Uh, DJ Penske had a long way to go in their development, and so I just I wasn't the right person for them with where I'd come from and the the pressures that were on me at the time. And so we've talked about this stuff to mm, death. Yeah, but yeah. the testing would be an element to it because I never had a chance to even feel comfortable in the car because I had no chance to to really get in the car to any degree. So, yes, it's an element, but probably a small part. Glenn Sansom, I like this. You might not remember it, but it's an interesting one. Do you remember borrowing my manual EF Falcon at Oran Park in 04 for practice starts? The story was Ford couldn't give you a manual <sighs> you media go. car and go. Ryan, the guy in the Devil Racer mascot outfit, asked, if they could borrow my car. There you go. So you're using punters' cars to practice your starts. Why not? You will stop at nothing, Ambrose. <laughs> now, this is where this you know, nice thanks for the start, Ken, comes from. Yeah. So I was a notoriously bad starter. I hadn't really grown up with these big, heavy, powerful cars, and so getting the cars off the line was always a, a super challenge for me. And Ken came involved in... Stone Brothers Racing. Ken and Douglas. We Ken Douglas, say. yep. Long-time racer himself. Long-time racer Motec himself. Uh, yeah, a bit, of a, bit of a guru. Yep. And so we would actually go out pre-race and drive out of the track somewhere that we weren't going to get jammed in traffic and take a manual car, preferably a V8, and go and practice starts just, just to sink in the technique um, pre-race. And so that's why I was thanking Ken for the starts. Because he would come out with me and we would roll through it. And we had a little box and we had a little timing time sequence yep. and we were doing it. And so, so no one else would be doing that. No. No one else and, would have thought but, that. You know, but it was Ken, not me, that, but I was battling with my starts and I was so, you know, that's how we did that. Mm. And so. Uh, Love it. Very nice. I, I mean, how, Thanks, Glenn. <laughs> how amazing that Glenn would let someone borrow their car to go do practice oh, starts and burn out a clutch. clutch smell after that? <laughs> Jesus. Be stoked, Got it, uh, as driven by your members. Uh, Andrew Walker's question, what impact did Jeff Pilates, the late Jeff Pilates, mm. have on your early supercars career and what's your best memory of him? A lot. One, one, Ford? one of the good guys uh, at Ford and a, a real racer. Um, you know, he'd been very successful in business. He came in and was during, a, you know, when you look back at it now, a, you know, a, a great business, Ford Australia, and um, you've got a lot of time for, for Jeff Pilates, a lot of great memories, mm. just like Howard Marsden, similar era. Um, yeah. Just sad to see them not here today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, really put Ford. I mean, Ford got the checkbook out because they'd not really got it out beforehand. And- he, yeah, that's right. And there were t- there were pressure points uh, where you know we were dealing with like you know went on Sunday and they were tracking sales on mm. Monday. That mm. was really happening back then, mm. Mm. and they were very engaged with the Falcon and they really loved the race program to get it back to its winning ways. They saw the wave of. V8 supercar and they wanted to be part of it. Didn't want to be left behind, I mm. think is probably more mm. the point. And Jeff was definitely involved in there early on, no doubt about that. And, uh, yeah, and how's, how'd Marsden and so forth around that era. Mm. How ingrained it all was then where the manufacturers were so heavily involved. My, my wife worked at Ford around that era mm. that you were winning championships in a much mm. younger mm. career. 
and she did regale to me the story that at the time you must have recorded a, a phone message that everyone that rang Ford <laughs> got, hi, this is Marcus Ambrose, Ford V8 Supercar champion. Thanks they don't do help. that stuff anymore. It's, How awesome is that? It's cool. Someone's yeah. probably going to think we, to we do would it go, yeah, We would go down to the Ford Motor Plant and walk through the plant. Mm. We would go and shake hands and meet the people that were building the, the Ford Falcon. Mm. I mean, just awesome, really, yeah. when you think about that. And we've lost Australia's lost so much when oh. you think about all that manufacturing that's gone. What a what a disaster. Don't make me cry. Mm. Don't make me cry. Um, Carl Matthews, do you still keep in contact with any of your NASCAR fellow drivers, teammates, competitors or, or crew members? Yes and no. Um, yes and no. Look, I've... I've touched a lot of people in motorsport, and so it's really hard to, to stay connected with everybody. Mm. And that big body of water across there does make it a challenge. So I follow them. Don't necessarily, I email from time to time, but I haven't been back to the states since I I, I left. Um, I was going to go back this year, mm. last year. It's not going to happen anytime soon. Stuff that up for a bit, yeah. So yeah, it is what it is. But I do follow the sport closely, and I do stay in contact with with a few, not not all, because it's just it's, yeah. it is kind it's of too hard. Of but yeah, you know, let's face it. Facebook and Insta and all these things, you can you can track people, stay stay in touch with people. Mm. People know what we're up to, so yeah, it, it all works. Uh, Chris Morley, what's Richard Petty like behind the scenes? Seems like a bloody good bloke. Yeah, Richard is one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. I've got so much time and respect for the Petty family and Richard himself. I mean, he's not the first Petty. Mm. His dad mm. was the original Petty, uh, and there's been four now, five generations of Petties involved around motorsports at a professional level and trying to make it now just amazing really and just such a a, a humble guy uh quite a spiritual guy mm. uh he taught me an awful lot about life and about racing and 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 how to conduct yourself and so you know i'm just lucky to have known him and to have driven for him and to be around that that whole thing because he really is a legend and and i've just got i've been a, around a lot of great people but you know richard's really yeah, you know, top of the pile. In America, Petty STP forty three is kind of Brock Mobile. It is. Uh, it is spec, it's, you know. it's very much that case. Yeah, 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 yeah. big time. Uh, Heath Crook, there's some cash for you and I to, to divvy up out of this. How come Pi took over from you when you came back from NASCAR? Did you not have it? What it takes? Hundred bucks. This goes unanswered. Well, fifty bucks <laughs> each, Marcus. We'll take your cash. <laughs> yeah, we'll take your cash. Um, well, Scott was actually driving for DJR, and so I was replacing Scott. But they kept Scott on because he was out of a ride to then do the enduros. So I come came back into the sport. Uh, you know, dawned on me pretty quickly that you know I wasn't going to be right to lead them where they needed to go, and didn't have the time, didn't have it in me basically. Mm. Uh, and so the, the straight answer was to say I need to get out of the car, and I think your best thing to do is to put someone who's been driving this car back in it. Mm. And that's what they did with Scott Pye. And they put him straight back in and he led the team forward and, you know, he had his had his good run with them and he's still a great driver, um, doing great things today. He's just never quite, you know, made that big leap to championship mm. serious contender, but he, he, may, he may still still do that. I'm a good friend of Scott's and um, I've got a lot of time for him and I appreciate everything he did to get back in the seat and keep keep going. I'll take 25, you take 75. No, That's no, fair we'll deal. share That's it. Just put it down the middle. <laughs> uh, Heath, cough up. I'll send you the bank account details. Uh, Todd, in your first uh, – Todd Jones, I should say. In your first in supercars, was there a reason you always wore a helmet without a visor on it? Uh, we don't need one. You don't need you a visor, windscreen. Todd. You've got a windscreen. So I, I like the full face because there is extra protection there, uh, but you don't need the double glare if you like. You've got a, if you've got a visor, you're hot anyway and steam's an issue and then you've got – um, the window. So now you run a visor down because you've got 
cooling in your helmet. So back when I first started V8 Supercar. Back in my day. Back in my day, they actually <laughs> ran the windows down at the that was as good 500. As you got. <laughs> That's as good as you got, but like terrible for aero. They, yeah. they soon worked out, oh, no, we've got to have the windows up for the aero profile. Yeah. So they then had to start working on getting the drivers cool. Dave Parker, uh, do you think you're accepted in the NASCAR paddock? At what point did you feel like that you were, if so, if you were? Uh, yeah, so yes, I did feel accepted in the NASCAR paddock. I think you can't get to the Cup Series and not belong. And so by the time you get there, whether you're first or 43rd on the grid, there's 43 cars on the track over there, uh, everyone respects each other because it's a lot of effort and a lot of skill to get there, no matter where you end up on that grid. So yes, I did feel belonged and I felt part of it and I felt respected. That's all great. But you're only as good as your last race in NASCAR, right? And so you don't last there if you don't perform. Mm. And so you get kicked out and kicked to the curb. And so to, to be in the, in the cup garage for as long as I was, I think, you know, makes me feel good today about that and that I survived it, right? Mm. So, you know, a lot of guys come in and don't last more than a few races and they get kicked out. And, and teams, they'll tell you over there, you don't need to prove you can, you need to prove you can't. So as soon as you've proved that you can't get it done, you're Go out. On. See ya. <laughs> you're out. Doors that way. Yeah, so that's really how it works over there. It's just um, there's no – doesn't matter what you look like, how old you are, male, female, from Australia, from Argentina, it doesn't matter. If you've got to deliver. you get results. You, yeah, and look at the guys that are in there right now. Yeah, you know, Cole Larson, that's just so great to watch him come through and see what he's doing right now. He's there just on talent. Mm. And uh, just great to see them make it all the way to the top. I was going to mention this is sort of I'm adding my own question in here, but from what 06 trucks, Xfinity mm. Cup, a bunch of you did so many races over there. Is it all a blur? It is a blur because you, yeah. you couldn't pinpoint a specific year, yeah, it, race, car. It is a blur, oh. and your, your brain can only handle so much. Yeah. That's why I sort of got that oh the oh. Three oh four oh five Bathurst versus Indy wrong because it does blend in after mm. a while. Like you're talking sort of fifty races a year in the states, Testing, ten years, appearances, media, okay. yep. So you double know. duties, flying backwards and forwards between doing two series we on did, one we day. We did one weekend. God. It was at Michigan. I was with Carl Edwards and Trevor. Bain. The, Mont- the Montreal one. Yeah, <laughs> oh, you know, and we. I mean, it literally was planes. Trains and automobiles. Just trains about. and automobiles. Pretty well. We had helicopters in there and speedboats to get oh. to and from the track. Oh, because Montreal, you're on the water, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. So we literally flew. We were jumped out of Carly Woods, out of the Michigan on Saturday, a two-mile big super speedway. Not super speedway, speedway. Roger Penske owns it now. One of the best tracks you'll go to. Mm. Fantastic crowd. Uh, we left there, practice. I think it was about 10.30, 11 o'clock, the practice finished. Jumped in Carl's jet. He flew it with his race suit he on. He flew it. He <laughs> flew it with his race gear on. Still it's on. like All got our race to. gear on. Me and Trevor jump in the back. We seal the door down. We're flying over to Montreal. And Carl, you know, he's such a great guy. He's pretty loose. And he turns over to us about three quarters away across. He says, oh, so we're doing really good. We're in Canada now. He said, but I've just realized we've got no permission to land because they're doing the air show for the race at Montreal. Oh. <laughs> and so they closed the airspace so, so they could do it. the air show pre-race. So we got exemption to get in there. Then we had a helicopter on the ground, flew us to the track from the airport. But the helipad was actually at the end of the rowing Complex, so it was which hosted up, the Olympics. The, they host the Olympics yeah, there, yeah. so the pits were down one end, and the <laughs> and the helicopter pad was up the other. So they got a speedboat for to us, a wakeboard <laughs> boat, to wakeboard us to the cars which were on the grid, ready to race. And the lady was doing the anthem. <laughs> I mean, yeah, talk about cut it fine. And Jeez. that day, I actually won that day. Uh, Carl had had a had a decent day, but a, a tough day. And Trevor um, 
got himself a lot of carbon monoxide poisoning, <laughs> and so he spent like four hours in the medical centre, so we couldn't fly home. Wait for yeah, we had to wait for him. <laughs> so I'm sitting around with the trophy. This, uh, I've got go no home, one to yeah. celebrate with. I just want to go home and get ready for the race next day. Anyway, we flew you <laughs> know, into international borders again, got home, and we did the Michigan race the next day. And that's just how uh, just the how American scene is. Just how it's mm-hmm. got to be. How it's got to be. Uh, Adam Blackman, can you briefly, in a nutshell, describe racing a super speedway, Talladega, Daytona, either or, with cars beside, in front, behind? You talked about this amazingly. I mm. remember vividly at a DJR teammates night mm. some years ago. It is unfathomable in any other form of the sport where you are mm. so on knife edge mm. and you could be brought completely undone mm. by something that mm. you don't do. But can you encapsulate that? Feeling and sure. So, uh, super speedway racing is the only race races that I'd always make sure that my wife and kids were at. Yeah, like I just made sure that I didn't matter what it cost or what happened. I wanted them there before From the race the start. started. Because a it, deliberate decision to do. Yeah, that because I, of the potential. I just wanted to say. Yeah, I just I just wanted to say. You know, goodbye. Not goodbye, but uh, I, I wanted I them mean. there. I wanted so them there. So if anything did happen, it's not like they're learning on television. No, no, they wanted to be, be right away. there. Yep, yep. I, wanted them to be, I wanted them to be right there because those days I did the first one and it was a, a NASCAR truck series race at Talladega and Derek Cope got turned from the bottom into the fence coming into turn three. He hit that hard that he snapped the Hans device in half. Ooh. Right, and I went under his car, so it was while like he's was, in midair. Whilst he was midair oh. doing his thing, and you know, I just remembered from that moment on, I don't like these races. These Fair races point. aren't fun, but you've got to do them, okay? So you can't if be an all the drivers, I think all them. the yeah. drivers at that level, you know, they just get through those days. I mean, we we put it all on the line, but a lot of the stuff that happens is out of your control. So you're in a 43 car pack. the The car is designed. To, to be running in a pack. So they, they restrict the motors down to about half the normal horsepower. So they all run in a big wad and the, the lead car breaks the air. The car at the back has nowhere on it and can push the pack forward. It's called pack racing. So you'll be in the middle of the pack, you know, 43 cars in the field and you're four wide at Talladega on the, on the straights, maybe three wide in the corners. You can squeeze four wide. Say you're in the middle of the whole deal. Well, you actually can't see out your window because the car in front, is hiding the view and the car in front of him is hiding the view and the car in front of him is hiding the view. You can't see at the side of you because the cars are right there and you look at the mirror and there's a bloke hitting you the whole time and then the cars are just floating. It's like being on an ice rink because there's no air on the cars. They're designed to, to be low drag and so they've got no weight on the wheels and so the cars are literally floating and you can spin the wheels you know, on the straightaways. It's like pushing an air hockey table. Of, yeah, you know, it's, you push it's, your un, it's unbelievable. So the cars are constantly buffeting and moving around and you, you put you put some steering into the car and it doesn't do anything. You're just kind of going with the flow and if something happens in front of you, you're in the crash. I mean, mm. you don't even know it's started. The, you have a spotter, a guy who's standing on top of the grandstand and he's talking to – every driver has one and they're talking you through what's going on in front of you, behind you, around you because you just can't see and so you're trying to predict what's going on. And so the big the big crashes that happen, you're literally in them and you don't know what direction you're going. Mm. You could be backwards, sideways. Like machine. All of a sudden you're in the fence. You don't know how the fence got there. Where'd the fence come from? You're in the <laughs> fence, you know. And that's just literally how it is and so you just get knocked and hammered around. But when the, when, when the days are – that's what it was like back then. They've changed the rules slightly. Each year they move it around a bit so the cars sort of react slightly differently. Um, but that's what it was like back then. It really was, you know, quite, quite incredible to be part of that. Extremely dangerous. Mm. Um, you know, that they're not to be taken lightly. I think the drivers, the modern drivers today, you know, they haven't been around 
the non-safer barrier tracks they haven't been around where they have the inner tire mm. inside the big tire and so the old old drivers the generation before me who were part of that the jeff gordons and tony stewart's and so forth you know they had a lot of respect for the super speedway stuff i think now with these the new generation of drivers coming through they haven't had it like it used to mm. be where the the walls were a lot harder to hit mm. uh, and so you just see them taking more chances so i'm actually pleased i'm not doing it right now yeah no good call uh dale rogers who was your pr man yeah good old dale djr team penske is the rudy hill rsl <laughs> the best venue <laughs> oh, to eat on race weekends Oh, come on Why now. would he ask this? Yes, no. So Dale and I are very good friends. And when I came back from the he USA. He used to run Revolution Race Gear, remember? He too, did. And he, he sponsored me back in the Formula Ford days, 96, 97. The logo so would have been on the website. He was. It was on the website. And so we go back a long way, really good friends. We went to the to, to Bankstown and we sat at the Rudy Hill RSL for uh, our very first Penske test, official test, in January of 2015. 15, yep. Uh, and there was this Commodore with like a purple panel and a white panel and a red panel and the whole deal. And I just so happened to watch um, Houses yeah. the night before, right? So like all of a sudden we have this game about, oh, it's all Houses and this and that and everything else. And that's what we that's, – that's the fun and games. That's the real Australiana, which I, I kind of like. Love I actually kind of like that side of Australia. It's cool. And, uh, and I've got a lot of time for Rudy Hill, the RSL, and everyone who goes there. Down the road from Sydney Motorsport Park. Yeah. It's uh, a common accommodation venue for those racing at SMP. Uh, last question on our National Motor Racing Museum catch race the questions. Um, in regards to the museum too, with all the things with COVID and things going on, in terms of opening times and the things that you've got to do or not got to do there, uh, museums, Bathurst website, supplies, or their Facebook page. I thought I'd just throw that in there before we get to the last one. Ron Swanson on Twitter, advice for a talented young karting driver when ah. the chips are down and they want to give up. What does Marcus say? Just get your chin out of the gravel and move on to the next one, right? Nice. Not every day is a good day. Um, you know, and it's persistence that pays off in racing. You can, you can just got to be stubborn. Mm-hmm. You got to be persistent. You got to believe in yourself and just keep going. Right? Racing is ninety percent frustration, ten percent jubilation. There's not much in between. You're either <laughs> on top of the world, or you're digging yourself out of the fence. It's ninety or ten, and nothing in between. <laughs> so there you go, Ron. Pass that one on to. Uh, the, the young stir um, that may need that little bit of advice. By the way, uh, how old are your girls now? They're 13, 15. So ta- Tabitha's 15, Adelaide's 13. They both cart race. Um, Adelaide's just got off a peat plate, so she's oh, excited out. about that. She's look been out. approved. And, uh, yeah, we just have a bit of fun with it down in Tasmania. It's a great uh, great sport for the family to be involved in. I, I came up through karting. I've got a lot of time and respect for, for what it did for me uh, and where, where it took me, uh, whether you become a professional driver or just – you know, just grow up as a person. It's just a great community to be around. So I support carts. I like carts. We don't do it at a national level. We're doing it at a club level, and that's just the way we Beautiful. like it. Yeah. Yep, yep, sounds good. To finish off with, you're a guru at the top 10 shootout format in supercars. Mm-hmm. We have our own top 10 shootout, which is just a really fancy way of saying word association. <laughs> I've got a list of 10 things. Okay. You tell me the first word that comes uh, in your brain this, on each. This could end badly. It, it could, but we can edit pre-warning. it. We can edit it. It's okay. If And you can't use the same word twice. Okay. Or if you need multiple words, we'll put a hyphen between them all, and it's one word. Okay? I'll let you off the hook. A couple of these people you have spoken about, you might be able to encapsulate them now in a word. Ross Stone. Just a great guy. All right. You've got one great guy. Russell Ingle. A grafter. Grafter. I was going to say King of Contra, but, you know, I think everyone knows that. Mark Scaife. Respect. Daytona. Awesome. 
Richard Petty. Legend. Ryan Story. A mystery. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> like it. Roger Penske. Roger Penske is just an absolute professional. Professional. There's your word. There's your word. Gary Rogers. A racer. Mm, fair point. One to go. Trans Am. Growing. I think mm. it's a category that's growing. I don't think it's quite right. I think that uh, it's where racing could go in Australia. I think it's the most bang for buck you'll ever get. I'm a big fan of it. Um, and I think what TA2 have done and the Trans Am have done, two separate series, but able to share the same cars, give guys the ability to, to race more often. State level, Bud- national. Yeah, and, 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 yep. and a budget class, basic race car with a, too much power, not enough brakes and not enough not enough tyre. Perfect. Sounds good. Sounds good. Mate, you've survived the top 10 shootout. Uh, no no dings in the wall, no touches with the fence. Uh, <laughs> you, you've safely crossed the line. No fines being added to your tally. Uh, mate, really appreciate the time. Love to see what's going to happen in the future with you and GRM, the mm. TV stuff, mm. kids in karting. It's um, great to see some, yeah, some more of you. To the sleuth, thank you very much. It is great to be back talking to you, and we've got a lot of history from the past. It's actually fun to reconnect and talk about it a little bit. Who knows what the future holds for me. Uh, I do like, I'm juggling a bit of an act between one foot in supercars and one foot over at JRM. I'm I'm enjoying the dance. It's been fun. I've got the kids growing up. Uh, Just, I just want to enjoy life. We've had a lot of things to be miserable about over the last couple of years, haven't we, as a country? And I'm just looking forward to, you know, over time here, hopefully sooner rather than later, getting back to the track, enjoying life, enjoying the great things about Australia and uh, just live the dream. A huge thank you to Marcus Ambrose. Wasn't he great? Candid, open, honest, fun, uh, really great chat. Really appreciated the time with Marcus that we spent at GRM and uh, really cool, really cool. I hope you enjoyed that. We would have loved to have chatted for a longer period of time, but uh, he's got so much to do at GRM. To get that hour was crucial and important and to get any more uh, would have just been a bit too hard. So no doubt down the track when the time opens up in, in the future, we might be able to have another go and go round to part two with Marcus. Hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, don't forget to please jump on our website. It is bookshop.v8sleuth.com.au. Father's Day is on the run-up. There's all sorts of specials. We've got new products coming online. Don't forget, we talked about in the pod about him driving uh, the Elk Air Air Conditioning Car. That's covered in our Perkins Engineering book. That'll be out in a couple of months' time. It's coming together really well. And, of course, don't forget, Marcus, two-time winner of the Adelaide 500. Uh, back in the mid-2000s. You can get a copy of Sensational Adelaide. It's a brand new book covering the full history of the Adelaide 500. It's 400 pages. It's a hardcover, big bertha. It's a perfect Father's Day present. Or if you just want to buy yourself a present, why not? Early Christmas, early birthday, whatever you've got to do to justify it in your own mind, grab a copy. We've had great feedback and sensational support. Bunch of new DVDs from the Archive of Seven Sport as well. Make sure you jump on the website. There is something for everyone at the V8 Sleuth online bookshop. Our regular site, v8sleuth.com.au, bunch of news, bunch of articles, bunch of cars for sale, bunch of stuff to look at there. And, of course, follow us on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You know the deal. Anyway, we're done for another edition of the V8 Sleuth podcast powered by Repco. Join us every Tuesday as we recap the latest in the Repco Supercars Championship on Repco Supercars Weekly. But in the meantime, that's me signing off. Hope you enjoyed this chat with Marcus Ambrose. We'll have another edition next Wednesday, so tune in to find out what it will be. Chat to you then.
Every lap in under a minute means every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint, May 17 to 19. Book now at Tick Attack. Supercars, unforgettable. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil, and find out.